Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. You may recognize the name Sharon Epperson. She is CNBC's senior personal finance correspondent, author of the book, The Big Payoff, Eight Steps Couples Can Take to Make the Most Out of Their Money and Live Richly Ever After. And Sharon is also the first woman of color to report on the commodities market. 
Life was great. Her career was going great. Until Sharon suffered a brain aneurysm that almost took her life. Threw a major money curveball in the mix. And had Sharon realized that she needed to redesign how she wanted to live her life. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. I talk about curveballs a lot on the show because I know the reality of them personally. They come fast and furious and really without any notice at all. Whether it's medical, career, relationships, or just, let's face it, like everyday life, I'm sure you've also had a few curveballs yourself. We can't escape them, but we can really do our best to just be prepared. So a big admission to you, I lived for years with blinders on to my money, what was happening with my money, what I was doing with my money, even as a financial expert, but it gave me this... I'm going to use the word grace because everything is a good lesson to be able to say to you that the blinders approach will come back to bite you. (laughs) It's way better to just get in this healthy money mindset and take care of what you need to with a slow, steady approach one day at a time. You don't have to tackle everything overnight. Sharon's story is not that unique. She had this booming career until her health interrupted that really suddenly. Thankfully, she and her husband had set themselves up pretty well for emergency, but Sharon learned a lot of lessons about money, what matters in life, and who she really wanted to be once she recovered. I always love bringing you these real, raw, behind-the-scenes stories of the faces that we see on TV or the people that we know so that you can see that we're really all alike. And probably more importantly, you can learn how to set yourself up for success. So here we go. Yeah, you have such um, a great story, such a great uh, background, such a passion for financial literacy. And I've been following your career for for many years now. So I'm kind of fan fangirling out on being able to chat with you. (laughs) Um, So we're going to talk about some some heavy things today. And, uh, you know, we share a little bit of a, a similar path. I didn't have uh, quite the story that you had of a life-threatening brain aneurysm, but I suffered a health threat in 2018. I became deaf on the left side of, of my hearing, and I know how health things can really put like a kink in your in your finances, in your financial planning, and even just in your life. So I'd love to start out a little bit just like talking about this time in your life. And I know this may seem like a super obvious question, but why is planning for the these unexpected events in life, like why is this so important? I think no one wants to think about the worst case scenario where um, particularly where I live in the New York metropolitan area, in the industry that I'm in, in media, it's a 24-7 business. People are constantly just trying to 
not only keep their head above water, but definitely <laughs> wanting to excel and achieve. And there is a there's an ethos that that is required, necessary. That is the that is the holy grail. That's what we want to be doing. Um, and in that, there's no time to think about what if that changes? What if you lose your job? What if you someone gets sick? What if a family member um, gets sick or loses their job? And how do we cope? No, just keep going, keep going, and things are gonna they're going to happen. And you have to just keep going because you have rent to pay and mortgage to pay and you know, things that you want to do uh, financially, but you also want to excel professionally. And I think it's so very important to just stop for a minute, not to be forced to stop like you were and I was because of a health scare, but stop because it's the right thing to do. Stop, review, reassess, and figure out where you are and where you want to go. And the best way to do that is to prepare for what may, may never happen, but just in case, to be aware and prepare for those things. You know, because I've been at CNBC for the majority of my career, and most people think that, you know, all we do is cover the stock market. We do that extremely well, but we do cover business and financial news in, in a much broader sense. Um, but it's not just about how you can make money today, because that is actually, can sometimes be largely beyond your control, geopolitical things that are happening in businesses, you have no control about how the stock market is going to move. But you do have control as to how you protect what you've invested in and how you protect just what you simply have. And so I think that the way I look at it, and I've always looked at it this way, actually, is that the, the biggest, um, I think the best part of financial planning and the greatest legacy that you can have is one of financial strength. And that doesn't mean being rich necessarily. That doesn't mean even being out of debt, unfortunately. But it does mean that you know where your money is, you know what you own, you know what you owe, and the loved ones that you have that may need to help you if you're unable to do so or if you're not here, they also know that you have some trusted people in your circle that are able to do this. That you have full control over. No matter what happens in the political arena, no matter what happens in the stock market, no matter what happens with your job, if you lose it or, or you are able to excel to the highest levels, if you have these things in place, these are things that you solely can be in control of and you can make sure that they're right for you. I love that idea of legacy, too, that you talked about and and being in control. I think so many of us, especially when it comes to finances, is we feel radically out of control. And, yes. and also money being this taboo topic that we don't talk about. So we kind of contain ourselves in this fear, stressful state versus maybe you and I share the exact same uh, financial mishaps or things that have happened to us, but we don't talk about them. So we don't know that. So it creates this like sense of isolation. And I, I love that you talked about having those moments of time out to really think about these uh financial foundation things that you need to take care of in case there is some health issue that comes up or, or whatever that may be. How do you, or I guess I should say, you know, what should your process be when you're, when you're saying, okay, I need to have a timeout. I need to look at my, my risks and see maybe where I need to shore up some things. Like, is there a process that you would suggest someone go through to, to start tackling those things? Well, in my case, um, our process, my husband and I, our process was soon after we got married, um, we decided to meet with a financial advisor together. And 
this is not something, this is something I initiated as a financial journalist. We did this at a time to journalists with very little money. Um, not really sure if a financial advisor would really even want to. Um, but I think that at that point, maybe some advisors see potential and also want to, you know, want to help people to just get the foundation right. And so um, we talked about our measly 401ks that we had at the time. Um, we talked about trying to, if we ever had any extra money, investing some of that on the side and also investing that with this firm. But we mostly talked about making sure that we had everything else in place. And so we started meeting with him right around the time just before um, the September 11th attacks in 2001. And so when we met with this advisor, um, things seemed okay. And then all of a sudden they weren't um, for so many people. And so at that time, we had already started the process, but at that time we really honed in on our estate plan, made sure we had life insurance, we had a will, we had guardians set up for the children that we did not even have at the time. And I didn't even know I was pregnant at that time when we did it. Um, and we made sure that we had powers of attorney for our financial affairs, for our health care um, as well. And then once that was set, it was kind of like set it and forget it. We didn't even really, we updated it, I think, maybe once after we had our children and we've updated it um, in, in that time since then as well. But we didn't really do much to it because it was already set. And I remember thinking, we also had disability insurance at that time. We were both doing a lot of freelance writing and things at, at that time too. And I remember thinking, what am I spending this money on? Just <laughs> perfectly fine. My doctor said my blood pressure is great. Cholesterol is fine. You know, I had two children during this time too. And I was like, I, that went fine. You know, why do I have this? And my goodness, was that not the best, best investment I have ever made better than any mutual fund. I can't invest in individual stocks as a CNBC employee, but on the editorial side, but I do have many mutual funds covering a broad range of companies. Now the best investment I ever made was to buy disability insurance. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Like if you look at the statistics that particularly people under the age of 50 are more likely to suffer a disabling event for longer than 90 days than they are to you know, pass away or, or, or need their life insurance. That certainly is, is important as well. But I think people don't focus enough on, I'd love your thoughts on this. People don't focus enough on that, that probably your greatest asset is not your house or your car, but it's your ability to earn an income. It's your paycheck. And without a paycheck, many of us, we, we just, we couldn't live. That's exactly right. It is your greatest asset. Your greatest asset is, is you is what you need to be investing in yourself, invest in you. You know, we have a campaign that we're doing right now at CNBC, a financial wellness campaign, and that's what it's called, invest in you. That's the bottom line. That's the most important investment that you can make is in yourself, is in your career, is in, you know, the money that you spend trying to figure out what the hottest investment is at the time. Some of that money, probably as much as you would spend to kind of initially put into an investment, needs to go into perhaps a professional development investment. Maybe you need to go to a networking event. Maybe you need to go to a workshop. Maybe you need to go to a conference. Um, things that are going to enhance and solidify your career path and ensure that you're going to continue to have a paycheck, that's a great investment as well. And I, I definitely think we don't spend enough time thinking about how really important that is. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, for for someone listening who's probably thinking like disability insurance, I, I don't know what that is. Tell me a little bit about how, uh, particularly this this time in your life when you you suffered the brain aneurysm or recovering from that. How did disability insurance come in and, and kind of save the day during that time period for you? Well, my employer offers short term disability insurance for several months, and that will allow you to get uh, the equivalent of your salary. Um, during that period of time. And that was excellent. Um, very, you know, great that I had almost my full salary at that time. Yes. And I was on disability longer than that and went into long-term disability insurance. That's a percentage of your pay and it's never going to be the full amount and it may even be capped at a certain amount. Um, and the way that that, uh, the, the application process for that um, and the way that that is then given out in terms of the payments does not work anything like the steady paycheck. It, I mean, eventually it will come, but it may not come at the same timetable. And if you have, as I did, a lot of things automated, set up based on payroll, when things are going to come out of my uh, checking account or my savings accounts, um, it was a, there was a lot to do to make sure that that I you know that everything got paid as it should be on time and all of that, just to make sure that the dates coordinated with one another. Um, it's, it's, um, the bureaucracy and the paperwork involved with it is, I think, um, you know, a very, it can be a very challenging time also. It's not, um, I would just assume if I tell you I've had a life threatening event, then everything should be smooth sailing, but <laughs> yeah. Process, but there's a process. And so there are forms that need to be filled out. There's doctor's reports that need to be received and reviewed. And all of that takes time. And then eventually it works out and it worked out very well in my favor. But um, but it's not something that's necessarily a seamless process or it doesn't feel that way, I think, to the patient or the person who's going through it at the time. Um, the other part that I that I had because I had done a lot of freelance writing in the past is that I'd set up a private, I bought a private disability policy as well. And so having that combination, since my employer's uh, disability coverage did not cover my full salary, having a little bit extra that still didn't cover my full salary, but was very, was much more significant, um, was really helpful too. So that I was able to still pay all of my bills uh, make sure that every that my kids still were able to do the events that I had them in and that they wanted to do. I really wanted to think things to seem as normal as possible, even though life for me was anything but normal. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And I bet that that it just you're you're dealing with enough, I should say, you know, dealing with a health uh, situation to then have to worry about money and finances is this whole other level of stress. I'm curious, you you talked about how you had uh, really done some good like financial planning. Did you have any financial like freak out moments during this time where you just thought, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, maybe we didn't plan everything or maybe we didn't think about everything? So the things that I didn't think about, um, and eventually they got solved, but, you know, I don't ha I didn't have a password manager. I should say, I don't really have a password manager and trying to remember all those passwords <laughs> and have not being the one that could, I had no business for a very long time, you know, really handling my finances. I wasn't really cognitively in a position to be able to do that. Um, so I think that's really important. I would add that definitely to my planning that to make sure that you have some place where your passwords are and where you have access and a trusted person has access to them. Um, 
or, you know, that you can give that to them. The other part is, again, you know, when you're used to be having payments a certain way, um, and that changes, it, it, it takes a different kind of discipline. Now I'm someone who I, I will admit I can, I can manage my money very well, but I have to put in my own controls and discipline for it. And so I have a certain amount of money that goes in to my pay, uh, to my checking account every pay period into my savings account it's plural um, uh, you know an investment account so that I'm making sure I'm not spending it at too much um, they, on the one hand I wasn't able to spend a lot when I was sick because I couldn't really leave the home when I was able to come home and I was in hospitals for a month so it wasn't like I was able to to spend that much but it's the payment process for disability insurance was to put your entire payment your entire paycheck basically on a debit card Wow. which I don't, who would have thought that that's a good idea, Right. but, um, uh, you know, th- that was, I, there was no way I wanted that much money on a debit card. And so I would immediately then transfer it to my savings or checking accounts from that, but it's just another process. And it's not, some people might be like, yeah, that's how I should manage my money anyway. And that's fine. I just didn't think it was a, a particularly savvy way to, you know, uh, manage money or have someone who was disabled, um, and not really able to handle their necessarily their finances the way they had in the past to get money. But that was that was a kind of a shocker that that's how they determined that it was the best way to get payments to to people who were receiving disability payments. That yeah. was unusual. It's a fa- it's a fascinating system for sure. And mm-hmm. you also talked about something that I'd love to chat just a few minutes about this this idea of like your post recovery mindset. We've spent mm-hmm. the entire January we focused on money mindset and just mindset in all different areas of your life. So I'd love for you to just just talk a little bit about like how you needed to change your mindset so you could heal so you could get back to be being the Sharon that you are now. Like what sort of changes did you make? Well, I think the, the biggest change that I didn't make, it was what happened, is that I had to come to a full stop, that I had to stop um, putting as my priority what the next thing was that I was going to do um, in my career to advance my career and enhance my brand and focus on what the next thing was going to be so that I could you know, s- stay awake, perform, communicate, and do the basic tenets of what I need to do as a parent. Um, as a person and as, you know, maybe one day I wasn't even sure at the time, but also going, getting back to my career. And so um, I think getting in the right mindset, um, I had to get in the right mindset to be the new me. So that's what I kind of, I, 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 I don't consider myself necessarily in some ways the same person that I was on September 20th, uh, 2016, as I was on September 22nd. 2016, because that day, the 21st, when I had this blood vessel rupture and burst in my brain and I had a brain hemorrhage and I had fantastic medical care and somehow made it through, it it really, it was a clean break for me to decide something in my life needs to change. Actually, probably a lot of my life needs to change. And so the focus then became on, um, you know, getting better in terms of my health, but also really focusing on what my true priorities were. And so even though I said I was working hard and trying to do well in my career for the betterment of not just myself, but for my family, in the end, they just want you there, right? Yeah. So the thing is they just want you to be present. 
And so that's what I learned, that the most important thing is to just be present. And when you when you don't have the faculties that you had before to do a million things, when the doctor <laughs> like you, you cannot multitask, it's exactly the antithesis of what recovery is about for you. Um, but also you can't multitask because you just can't. It's hard enough to focus on one thing at a time. That just alters. That's a that's a, a complete shift in in the way that I was living my life. And so as I've improved and my health has improved now three years over three years later, I have to be very careful that I don't go back to those old ways of trying to multitask and, and, and trying to do 10 million things at one time, because being present makes, I feel makes you makes me better at what you're doing at that moment. Um, and then really thinking about what I'm doing at that moment and also the impact it is having on others. So, it's not just I'm doing this because of me. I'm doing this because I want to get ahead. I'm doing this because I think this is important. But what does it mean in a broader sense? Being more mindful about about and more and, and um, more decisive, more mindful, more strategic, more um, directed in terms of the decisions that I make. I think that that is really important. Um, and then the other part is that I'm just grateful to every day. I'm grateful that, you know, I've connected with Shauna and we're now doing this podcast and I'm talking to people that you know that I may have never met if it wasn't for you about what I'm doing. Um, I'm grateful that I was able to get up and work on some a presentation this morning and, you know, looking yeah. into for tax time and just grateful every day. And so it's, it's hard to be on a Monday morning when the weather's crappy. I <laughs> <laughs> really want to get up and go to work every and people are grumpy. I, 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 I'm not saying I don't feel that it's to some level, but for the most part, I'm just happy I woke up. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial.
The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. They really want to understand how the world works. And as you guys know, one of the most annoying things to understand is, drumroll, you guessed it, money. That is precisely why the podcast Get Money was made. Get Money is a podcast developed specifically for young creative people, aka you, who want to get their finances in order and do it while having a little bit of fun along the way. Yes, please. I promise you will LOL many times during this podcast and 
the music's pretty cool too. It's got a ton of fun segments, lots of different voices, and you will have some really interesting tips for your friends by the end of each episode, I swear. Get Money is an original production from ACAST Studios and Gilded Audio and is available now wherever you get your podcasts. It's Tuesday and we've got another Ask Shauna and this one comes from an anonymous listener. Hi, Shauna. I'm a recent listener, about three months, but since I started tuning in, I've been much better at budgeting and getting my debt under control. I went from no budget to a budget. Just wanted to thank you for all the free professional advice. I'm writing because an estate of $15,000 is coming my way. The most I've ever had in my bank account at once is two k. Hopefully, a new job in the works will change that very soon. I know I want to pay it off about five k in credit card debt to clear it entirely. I don't know what to do with the rest of the inheritance. There are also student loans, about 58000 but I don't want to use all my money just to make a dent in that. I don't know how to invest, and I'm not really stock savvy. Some close family is suggesting investing in a retirement bond and others advising against it. I don't want this opportunity to go to waste, and I'd really appreciate your opinion. Well, Anonymous, yes, I have had this question in lots of different ways, and it's always that like mixed bag blessing. You are so thrilled to come into money. Of course, you don't want it to have to come in inheritance, so fully understand what I'm saying here. But that's also met with a million different decisions of what to do with this money. So I'll start off by saying that There aren't any ways you can go wrong here, except if maybe like you just decided to spend it all on something that doesn't give you any type of positive reward. So example, I had somebody once ask me if it was a good idea to spend their inheritance to buy lottery tickets for a better chance to win the lottery. Okay, I I see your logic here, <laughs> but let's look at the lotto odds. They're they're not so great. So I I gently advised that that was probably not the best idea. But I can give you all my ideas, all my thoughts on this, and it's really going to come down to you and what you think is best for you. If you feel like blowing the money on some lottery excursion or some fancy trip, maybe you want to ride camels in Egypt, then that is fully your choice as long as you think through all your alternatives and just feel really comfortable that the decision you're making is a good decision. So I think your idea of getting rid of the high interest credit card debt is a fantastic one. So let's knock that out and get rid of that 5K. Now you've got 10K to play with. So here are some thoughts. First, what would it take to build up your emergency fund to at least one to three months worth of your fixed expenses? I would take some time to shore that up to make sure you just have a nice pad for yourself in case you get laid off from your job or something happens with your health. I mean, there are a million different things, but just making sure that you have at least one month will really, I think, um, it actually, it just makes me feel better about your situation. So it may not make you feel one way or another, but hopefully it makes you feel a little uh, less stressed. Uh, Number two is, do you currently contribute to a 401k or a Roth or IRA? If not, you may consider opening up maybe a Roth or an IRA right now when you're in job transition or contributing to your 401k if you have access to one. 
So if you're looking at Roth or IRA, I would check out companies like Robinhood, Elvest, or Betterment. Each of them has their own pluses or minuses, so I'm not going to recommend one over the other, but they can help you construct an investment portfolio that is based on your needs and your risk tolerance, not your family's, not your friends, yours. That's what's really important. So this is a great uh, place to start building up some wealth and, and getting your money just growing in a positive, hopefully positive direction that is going to grow more than a savings account or a bank account. And that's what we want. We need some positive lift to your money. Another good idea would just be hire a certified financial planner for an hour of their time to pick their brain. The beauty of this is that they get to see the entire situation. And I'm only looking at this little snapshot of what you told me. But when you hire a CFP, they're looking at everything. So they'd be able to give you more guidance. And a great place to start if you don't have access or you don't know anyone who is a financial planner, go over to xyplanningnetwork.com and you can search for a financial planner in your area. They have a ton of young uh, virtual planners, like great people. So I would head over to there. So hopefully this has given you a little bit of guidance. Like I said, you really can't go wrong in this situation. I mean, look, even if you blew your money on lottery tickets, eh, what if you win, right? <laughs> the joke's on me then. You can't go wrong. Just make sure that you you really think this out and make sure that you give yourself a little bit of like a cash cushion so that you have that there for any emergencies. So we cover an Ask Shauna every Tuesday and I want to answer your question. There is no such thing as a bad question and you can even tell me just like this person to keep your name anonymous. We are community here, so your question helps everyone. So ask away. Head on over to the link in the show notes or jump over to our podcast hub, mmoneypodcast.com, and you'll find the Ask Shauna area right there on the homepage. I mean, it's just like, it really is such a powerful message when you can you can realign and, and focus on the things that are that are truly important. I think a lot of the other stuff, uh, again, it's not that it falls away, but um, I love this idea of, of mindful that you're talking about, like being really mindful, being really present. How do you think being mindful with someone in terms of their finances, like how would that shift for somebody if, if they're focusing on like being mindful and being present? Well, one of the things that... Um... I did just because one of my doctors said it was a good thing to do. And then I fell in love with it as I've started practicing yoga yes. and listening, listening very carefully to, um, to what my instructors are telling me to do. And with a whole different idea of how to, um, apply it to my life and to my financial life also. And so one of the things that, you know, many of the instructors always, always start with is, you know, saying to yourself, so hum, so hum in Sanskrit, meaning I, I am that, what are you, what do you, what do you want to be? What do you want to this in yoga? What do you want to be in this session? Do you want to be stronger? Do you want to be more mindful? Do you want to be more relaxed, more peace, but with your money, do you want to be financially independent? Do you want to be able to start your own business? Do you want to be able to grow your business to the next level? Do you want to be able to set yourself up for that next promotion? What do you want to be? Who are you and who do you want to be? 
And when you're trying to figure out who you want to be in terms of money, you have to set that intention. Everyone always talks about the importance of having a financial goal, of setting your financial goals. In yoga, it's setting your intention for that class that you want to be more flexible, that you want to work on your core, that you want to be able to, again, relax or or keep thoughts from entering your mind that are not just peaceful thoughts. Um, so setting your intention for your financial life is also really important. And the one that I love that one of my instructors said once, and I said, oh my gosh, this is so me. My head is always racing about 121 things. Even if I'm trying me not too. to ask, my mind is racing. And she said, stay on your mat. And I'm a novice at yoga. So I'm sometimes looking at other people in other mats and I'm like, how did they do that? <laughs> They're doing that. How do I do that? No, stay on your mat. Stay focused on what you need to do for that yoga session, for that conference that you're going to, for that presentation you have to make, for that task that you have to do at your job, for your financial life and where you want to be in terms of where you're investing or where you're trying to, to manage in terms of setting up strategies so that you will be able to invest or you will be able to get out of debt or you will be able to pay off your student loans. So just staying on your mat and not worried about, well, why don't I have that yet? Because you may have had so many challenges and obstacles and things that happened along the way that the person on the on the, the mat next to you or that colleague or that friend did not have, that it's not even, it doesn't even make sense to compare. Just stay on focus on what you have to do. Um, and then, you know, just thinking about money, I think for a lot of people, if you're thinking about it and you're trying to do something proactively about it, and if you're talking about it, then you really need to be thankful. And, you know, every yoga session ends with namaste and giving thanks for being there and being thankful for what your body is able to do, what your mind was able to do in terms of staying present. And I think we need to thank ourselves. Sometimes we're just so hard on ourselves. Why did I, you know, how did I, I knew I should about that? Why do I have to now I have to pay this credit card off? Or, you know, why did I make that investment? Or why didn't I make that investment? Or, I mean, you know, ad admitting it, something went wrong and moving on and going to the next thing and just being thankful that you have the opportunity to make it right. I think we need to, you know, give ourselves a pat on the back sometimes and not uh, be so hard on ourselves when it comes to money, because I think that prevents people from making decisions at all, good or bad, when they're worried that they may, might make a bad decision. That's such great advice. I love that idea of, of staying on your mat. I'm a yogi too, and um, I I try to to keep that principle. It's interesting when you were just talking about uh, thanking, and and that's how you end each yoga session. I just interviewed uh, last month on the podcast a guy by the name of Ken Honda who wrote this book called Happy Money, and he talks about the Japanese way of dealing with money. And he says arigato to his money every day when he pays for something or he gets it just like this simple act of like, thank you. Thank you for coming in and thank you for going out. And a lot of these things I think sound silly or sound obvious. And yet they're really powerful when you start thinking of your of your life and your money and your finances in this way of, of setting those intentions and and also being really thankful for wherever you're at. Exactly. I think it's really important. Um, and I, you know, I, I've spent a long time comparing in some ways. Why didn't I have this position? Uh, I've, I've been here longer. I've worked harder at this. I've done this. And that person didn't do that. And how did they get there? You know, I think people do that often, whether it's with a career, with a home, with a car, with a college, with, you know, <laughs> debt or investments. And, 
you have no idea what that person's situation is. And you have no idea what the success that, what looks like success outwardly, what is happening to that person internally. So I think the, the greatest way to be successful, to be rich, to be fulfilled is to think about what it means as much internally as to you, as it does to whatever anyone's going to see. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and I, I'm super curious. You talked a little bit about your about your career, and I know that uh, life being a journalist is probably um, it's 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 very fairly difficult. I have a few friends that are journalists and uh, on air journalists, and they talk about uh, just it's it's. Um, uh, I don't know the right adjective to use, but it's it's an interesting environment. Um, and then getting into finances and being passionate about financial literacy, is this something that you started out your career really being passionate about? Or did you find your way into this kind of sweet spot for yourself? Well, I was passionate about stories and I've always loved storytelling. And that started in high school with just talking to friends about stories, talking on the phone way too long and getting in trouble with my <laughs> And then I got into meeting some journalists locally in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, and um, working with them, doing a high school journalism workshop that really kind of made me decide that this was a career path that I wanted to pursue. And so um, although my college education is liberal arts and even my master's degree is more kind of liberal arts in terms of um, uh, masters of international affairs, looking at a various a variety of, of subjects within that, um, I knew that I wanted to be able to write and tell stories. I wasn't sure about the TV part, though, until I finished graduate school. And I spent some time working in a television journalism center um, in Cairo, Egypt, actually. Wow. And and that was fascinating and, and really led me to believe there's a way that I can write and do television at the same time. And I was able to find a job at Time Magazine in the early days of multimedia journalism, where they, from the outset, wanted me to work for the New York Bureau of Time magazine, but also work for their, quote unquote, new media department, they called it then, where I was doing television stories, working as an associate producer. And that made me really fall in love with TV. But it was a it was a bureau chief that I had in New York who said, you're in New York, you're doing all the variety of stories, social issues, politics, we're doing, you know, a lot of human interest type stories, but where's your business story? I'm like, well, you have the other guy in the bureau who does Wall Street stuff. And I was like, no, you need to be, you're in New York. You need to be well-rounded. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not my forte at all. <laughs> but I found a story um, about, about a woman who had worked for the IRS for her entire career and hadn't made a ton of money in terms of her salary, but had saved a ton of money and invested it very smartly in things that she loved in media companies and in, in film companies and in retail companies. And she amassed millions and then donated it all to a local university for women who had not been had the opportunity to go to college to be able to go to college because she herself had not gone to college and she wanted to make sure that other women had that chance. It was a great story. Wow. It was a true story, but with a business angle to it, it fell in the business section of the magazine. And so then I was able to, um, when I went to a job fair, tell people at NBC that I was a business journalist or I <laughs> Maybe they came up with that idea because I love the story so much. I put it, you know, kind of the front of what I wanted to show in terms of the work that I've been doing at time. 
And, and then I did that spin that, you know, when you're looking for a work and you want new opportunities, you always say yes. Right. So they're like, so are you a business journalist? And I thought, well, I got one good story here. So yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. I can do that. I could do that. And so I came to CNBC with very little business news experience, um, business journalist experience, but, uh, but a real desire to tell stories, um, that touch people and their, you know, about their money. And so that's how I got to CNBC. And that's, you know, kind of how I've been able to meld the two. And in that time, I focused on things that were really hot. Uh, you know, I focused on for eight years, I covered commodities at the New York Mercantile Exchange on the floor, on a trading floor, um, as the only African American woman down there, um, doing that for a long time. And that was at a time when commodity prices and gas prices were sky high. And there was uh, just so much interest in kind of that because it was again teaching, touching people uh, in a real life manner with their transportation and all of that. Um, but I always had an interest in personal finance. And along that, during that time, I wrote a book on personal finance for couples. And I just was always trying to, when I could have the opportunity, I was doing personal finance stories. And a few years ago, CNBC said, you know what? We want you to do this full time, you know? And they, they said, it was like a Thursday. They're like, can you start on Monday, come back to headquarters and just focus on personal finance? I'm like, sure thing. Wow. And um, that full time ever since. Wow, that's like it's such an awesome story when you hear how someone's career path has kind of you know ebbed and flowed and like led you to this place that you're that you're really passionate about. I'm curious because you do this full time. Do you do you see us really making waves and in, in changing financial literacy? Do you do you see us like breaking down some of those taboos about money, or are we still stuck a little bit in that in that topic? Well, there's always room for progress, but I tell you, I did a story um, that aired last week and it just gives me such great hope. I did a story about a school, a middle school in New Jersey where sixth, seventh and eighth graders are learning about the stock market and credit cards and how to pay household bills and manage debt and the importance of a 529 plan. And they're 11, 12 and 13 wow. years old. They're, and they're so motivated that, you know, one it's, had spoken to her dad about having him help her open an E-Trade account so she could um, invest in some of the stocks that she was really interested in of companies that she bought the clothes or the things from anyway, the gadgets from anyway, she wanted to invest in, in some of those stocks. And another boy was saying, you know, in eighth grade, he's already thinking about, you know, I need to really look at how much this college costs and how much I'm going to be in debt if I go there and how much money I'm going to make when I graduate to make sure that I get the best return. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. this wow. is incredible. And New Jersey is one of a few states that is requiring uh, middle schoolers to take financial education. Um, and, it, and we're seeing improvement. We're seeing, there was a report out last week from the Council for Economic Education that 21 states now require uh, high school students to take a personal finance course in order to graduate. Now it should be 50 states, but 21 is better than the 17 states that we had two years ago. So it's slow, but the progress is, is being made. And the fact that, you know, schools are at least, um, most every state has some type of financial education uh, mentioned in the curriculum, uh, K through 12, but, you know, not all of them are implementing it, but they're talking about it. So it's slow, but I think that there is there is some progress being made. And until progress is made in the schools, I think families need to realize this is this is your responsibility. They're not learning it necessarily at school and they're not learning it 
um, the way you would teach it, because the way you should teach it is with all of the trials and all the challenges you've been through, make sure your kids are aware. Things did, you know, it just doesn't happen that you're able to have this for the holidays. You know, it does just doesn't happen that we weren't able to do what we wanted to do for the family trip this year. It, these are, you know, these are real life scenarios that we're going through and we're going through them as a family. And I think very early on, um, you can, you should engage your child in that, whether it's what you're buying at the store um, and why you're buying one item versus another item, why a coupon is so important. I mean, <laughs> now no, not to tell me about anything they want to buy unless it's a sale price or there's a coupon with it. You know, <laughs> I mean, why, why spend full price for anything? You don't have to. Um, and, um, and so I think it's really important to have those discussions. So uh, that's my way of saying, yes, I do think that we're seeing some progress with financial literacy. I do think there's a way to go. But starting early, I think that's the way to do it. We have to ingrain this and, and create a discipline in young people so that when they get to college and they are and they leave home and they are starting to manage money on their own, they have a really good sense of how they're going to do it. Well, I am. I'm just so excited to hear that. And I'm so excited that you are doing everything you're doing to push that movement forward. I think that's just so fantastic. And Sharon, we have talked about so much today, uh, God, so many different topics and, and, and takeaways, but I would love for you just to, to tell the listeners a little bit as we end, what are some of the action steps that you think someone should think about taking today to better prepare themselves for these these unexpected financial events, like to really get this foundation in place so that when something does happen in their lives, they can meet it head on without without fear and stress? Um, and then the other thing I think is really important to make sure that you do is to set aside an emergency fund. I mean, you know, people talk about the importance of having a rainy day fund. I think you would agree with me when something tragic, unexpected, um, and medically, you know, is just shocks, shakes your whole foundation. That's not a rainy day fund. That's a hurricane fund. And (laughs) make sure that you have put money aside for that. Again, that may not be the the part of your portfolio, your money that's going to grow 30% like we saw with this S&P 500 in 2019, but it doesn't need to. It just needs to be there for you when you need it. So I think that's really important. We talked about disability insurance, and that, of course, is really key to have. Um, and and then, you know, it's having discussions about money with your loved ones is tough. And the even tougher is to pick somebody over another person to be that person for you in a time of crisis, whether it's your healthcare power of attorney or your um, financial power of attorney, someone who's going to help you make financial and healthcare decisions if you're not able to do so. And even if you don't get all the paperwork to de- together to have those legal documents, which if you can, you really should, um, make sure you have in your mind who that person's going to be and let them know and, um, and make sure they're okay with it. Um, because I think it's really, it's very, very important to have that advocate and that person um, working on your behalf when you're not able to do so. And the final thing would be to um, put your finances on autopilot. Just automate everything that you can possibly automate. Your rent, your mortgage, your utilities, whatever the big bills are, um, in case something happens so that you don't lose the place that you're living so that the power stays on so that you still have um, 
everything that you need to be able to do what you need to do. I think that that's really, really important. And it's not just your bills and things to be on autopilot. Make sure that you're paying yourself first, that thing that everybody says, but some people just do not do. But it should be one of your primary bills is to self. And put that money into your emergency savings to start to make sure you have that. Then put that money into longer-term savings, investing for your retirement or for things that you might need five, 10 years down the road. Um, but it's really, really important to just automate that and to, if you can, have separate, s- several different savings accounts. So one is for you know, the, the home that you want to have one day, or one is for the car that you'd like to buy, and one is for your retirement. You can do that. Um, and that's sometimes a, a way to discipline yourself to make sure that you're saving for the goals that you have. Sharon's story reminded me that I got to get some of my own money stuff together and make sure that I am truly ready for anything that might come my way. So it's also good advice for you too, but don't get overwhelmed. Just think of like one thing you can do today or this week or even this month to get yourself better prepared. You can find out more about Sharon by heading over to cnbc.com slash money 101, which is a newsletter that will come out to you every week teaching you how to invest in yourself. And you can also head over to cnbc.com slash invest in you, a financial wellness initiative where you can find stories about people just like you. And you can also follow Sharon on social media at Sharon underscore Epperson. So on this podcast, you know we are changing the language around money to help everyone unlock the lives they want to live so you can live them out on purpose. Now you, yes, you, you're part of this movement, so it's up to all of us to invite others into the journey. So share this episode with someone that you think really needs to hear this message. Invite them in so we can all talk about money in a new, fresh, and fun way. Hey, where are you going? We're not quite finished yet. We just wanted to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money and for helping us create a safe space to talk about money. For more on this episode, check out the show notes and don't be afraid to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Seriously, we love hearing from our Millennial Money family. So send us your rave reviews. We look good in five stars, just saying. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash CD specials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC.